Thank you for joining us here on the Bowling Green Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God, encourage our community, serve those in need, and share the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about how we do this on our website at bowlinggreenchristian.org. It is our prayer that the following message encourages you as you take your next step in faith. All right, let's see. This, today we're wrapping up our series right now. Uh, this is our teaching theme from the year. Um, and the idea is this, that God is calling us to do right now, um, to love right now, and to care right now, and to do all of the things that we often say, I'm going to do this later to do them now. We believe that God wants us to, to use this moment uh, no matter how young you are, how in shape you are, any of those things, our, our life, Scripture says it's like a breath, it's like a vapor, it's short, it's unpredictable. And so we are not guaranteed the future and we can't go back to the past. The only thing that we can do is to make the most of the moment that we have, the moment that we're given. And that's what I really want us to do this year, is to seize those moments. And so we've been kind of going through that this this series. Next week, we start a new series called Ready or Not. And Ready or Not is a series that's going to take us through uh, the books of First and Second Thessalonians. And we're actually going to go through those kind of chapter by chapter and uh, look at what it is that Paul has to say to the church of Thessalonica. And what I think you're going to find really interesting about that series is that those churches are in a place and in a time that is full of change, constant change, always you know, things are in motion, and, and the people that they used to have a relationship with now have rejected them, and, and there's a whole lot of stuff going on in, in the Thessalonian church. And Paul is writing to them about how to be ready for change in the ever-changing world that they live in. And I think that now, 2,000 years later, we find ourselves in a similar time of change. And I think that, that we're going to find the words that Paul writes there uh, in uh, the books of First and Second Thessalonians to be very, very relevant and helpful for us. So that starts next week. Uh, today, though, I want to wrap up our series right now um, by looking at um, a, a parable that's, that's kind of weird. Um, I, I don't know another word for it. There's a lot of people that have read through the Gospels, and I don't know that anybody has ever picked this story as being like their favorite Jesus story. As a matter of fact, uh, Brian caught me after, after service, uh, first service, and he said, you know, it's funny. He said, we were just talking about that this week. That, that's a weird story. I'm, it's weird how it all came together. So we're going to talk about that because I think that this parable that we're going to look at, this living parable, talks about how Jesus really wants us to be ready at every moment, doing right now. Now, some of you might be going, well, what would that really look like? What would it mean for us to do right now? Well, it's real simple. This is our church's um, mission statement. And we, we believe this is what God's calling us all to do, that God wants us to be less so that Jesus can become more. Uh, we think that, that there's too much of us running around, that we live in a world, you know, to use photographic terms, you know, we're, we're overexposed and underdeveloped. Uh, God is calling us to be less so that Jesus can become more in us and in our neighborhoods. And we do that by sort of four activities, uh, by loving God. That God wants us to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and He wants us to put Him first, and He wants us to do that right now. I know a lot of times we'll say, well, I'm going to do that later. I'm going to, I'm going to get to that later. I'm going to you know, make you know, reading my Bible a priority later. I'm going to make prayer a priority later. I'm going to make going to church a priority later. But God says, no, 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 let's do that now. Let's do that right now. Let's get that right. 
Uh, we believe that God's calling us to encourage each other, to, to live faithful lives, to live the kind of life that he's created us to live, and, and that he wants us to encourage each other right now. I don't know about you, but there have been so many times I'll think about somebody and I'll be like, oh, I ought to send them a text or, oh, I ought to you know, send them a card or I should send them an email or give them a call. I'll do that later. But then guess what happens? Later never comes and I forget about it and I never do it. And I think what God is saying is, is when that, that urge to do that encouraging thing comes, do that right now. Don't, don't put that off. He, he's calling us to, to serve each other to serve the broken, the, the least of these. Now, how many times have you sat here and you've thought, man, that meal's ink, that sounds like a neat thing to do on a Saturday. I'm going to do that next time. And next time. Oh, not this time, next time. This is a bad time. Next time I'm going to do that. Or oh, I'm going to get involved with room in the end. Next time it comes around. And it never is the right time. I think God is saying, let's, no, let's serve. Let's do that right now. Or how about sharing Jesus with somebody you know that could really use the encouragement of a relationship with God? And you're like, I'll, I'll do that later. I'm waiting for the right moment. Let me tell you, there is no right moment. The, the, the moment is now. It is right. This is the only one you get. We've got to make this moment right. That's what God's calling us to do. And, and we do that as we stay connected to Jesus. Uh, now let's get to this story, because I think this kind of puts it all together in the sense of, of the urgency, the sense that we might live it out uh, here we go, Mark chapter 11, the next day. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Bethany, they were hungry. Now, this is during the last week of Jesus' life. He's living in, uh, or he's staying the nights in a small little, you know, suburb of Jerusalem called Bethany. He's walking into the town of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, and that's, you know, where he's kind of teaching and, and having the encounters he has the last week of his life. And it says that, that he's walking into town. He says, not too far away, he saw a fig tree, and it was covered with leaves. If you've never seen a fig tree, they've got these really, really huge leaves, and they do kind of cover, you know, whatever fruit might be on it. You don't always see the fruit, but you do see the leaves. And so he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because, wait for this, it was not the season for figs. In other words, everybody knew that it wasn't the right time to pick figs. Like, you couldn't go up to Jackson's Orchard right now and expect there to be, you know, peaches waiting for you. That's not going to come till later. Everybody knew this. The fig is a, is a tree that grew all over this area. They don't grow here much. They grew there. And everybody knew this is not the season for figs, Jesus. There aren't going to be any figs on that tree. I don't know why you're going over there. Uh, it says it was not the season for figs. He found nothing but leaves. And then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say. Now, we've got a question to ask ourselves what's going on here? Like, is Jesus having, this is going to make some of you really uncomfortable, I just got to ask the question, is Jesus hangry? Okay, I just, I, I just want to ask the question, is Jesus hangry? His blood sugar is low, okay, his patience is running thin, he knows the end is near, the disciples have been on him, the people have been on him, and all the man wants is a fig, is this too much to ask? I mean, he is God. This is the tree. He created it. Surely it could give him a little something, you know, a little something for the effort. And he comes to the tree and it's barren. And so in what we might think of as a divine temper tantrum, he, he curses his tree. I mean, we've all been there, right? You go to McDonald's and the ice cream machine is broken again. I'm embarrassed to admit, I had this this week, and I said, it figures. I said that. I said, it figures, and the poor little girl on the other side, she's like, I'm sorry. 
whatever. I don't want ice cream anyway. Fine, be this way. Is this what's happening here? Jesus is like, come on, where's the fig? Cursed are you, fig tree. And because he's God, wait for it, here you go. It says in the morning as Jesus and his disciples walked along, they saw the fig tree. It was dried up all the way down to the roots. Woo-hoo. Like you might curse the fig tree and it's going to be like, whatever. But when God curses the fig tree, it's gone, okay? What do you make of this story? What do we do with this? It's crazy. Here's, here's what this is. I, I, I've spent some time thinking about this. This is really, it's a lived out parable. Jesus tells stories all the time. And he's always telling stories or people asking him questions. They're like, you know, what about this, you know, deep spiritual truth? And Jesus is like, well, let me tell you a story. You know, let me tell you something about that. And you tell them a story and the people hear the story and they think about the story and the story sticks with them. And long after sort of the answer that Jesus could have given them would have been forgotten, they're still telling the story. And here we are 2,000 years later and we're still telling the stories of Jesus. Jesus here acts out this parable. This parable of the fig tree. In between these two encounters, you have something else that happens. Jesus goes to the city of Jerusalem. Like I mentioned, he's going from Bethany to Jerusalem. And in this particular day, he goes to the temple. When he goes to the temple, he expects what every Jewish person would have expected, and that is a place to worship God. It was supposed to be a house of prayer. It was supposed to be a place where everybody could pray and seek the face of God. But it had been turned into a Walmart, you know, plus flea land, plus like yard, yard stock, you know, livestock yard. That's, that's what this place had been turned into. And, and so Jesus comes and he finds this cattle market and, and these traders and all these things. And the temple is not ready for the coming of God. Just like the fig tree isn't ready for the coming of God. And so Jesus curses the fig tree to show us what happens when we're not ready for him. And that's the moral of the story. That's the message here is this, is that we've got to remain connected to Jesus at all times. At all times. Now, we live in a time when I think we're very impulsive, very compulsive, and we do things sort of in a burst of energy, and then, you know, we, we, we fade. You know, we go strong, we start strong, we finish weak, if we finish at all. Uh, just, just take, for example, you know, January. This is the month when there will be more gym memberships sold than any other month of the year, okay? You take the first three months of the year, you put them together, that's like probably the totality of most gyms' uh, business. Their model is to make money in those first three months, and then nobody comes, and so all the equipment stays brand new until next year when people come again to look and to tour. Because at the beginning of every year, people are like, man, this is the year. This is the year. Last year, it wasn't the year, but this year's the year, and I feel it this year. It's going to happen. I'm, gonna, you know, I'm just going to lose weight paying the money. You know, I'm, if, I just, if, I, if I pay the money, then I will have less money to spend on eating out. So this is at least helpful. You know, we just, we have this idea, we're going to start this, we're going to do so much, and we just fade. The same thing's true with church. I I hate to admit this, I hate to to call anybody out, but there are some people that, man, you are the most faithful church people in January. Like, really, like, you just kill it. Like, you are amazing. But come February, uh, March, uh, you'll be back for Easter, but then there's that, like, the the summer desert, like, you know, like, "Ah, I don't know about church, I don't know about that. But when it came to January, like, man, we're going to start, we're going to be strong, me and Jesus this year, we're going to be like this. But then we fade. Uh, church's two highest attended months are January and August. When everybody gets their act back together in August, kids going back to school. Man, this is the year, we're going to make it right this time. It, that's how it works. But then we fade. We follow Jesus in season, but, but not out season. 
Friends, the hardest time to keep a commitment, it's not the first week or the second week or the third week. It's, it's, I think it's probably the fourth week. It's that second month. It's, it's when the novelty wears off and we're like, man, I just, I don't know about this. Scripture's pretty clear that, that we've always got to seek God. Uh, Jesus says this. He says, you've got to remain joined to me. You can't just connect once and figure that's it. He says, you've got to remain joined to me and I will remain joined to you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain joined to the vine. In the same way, you can't bear fruit unless you remain joined to me. Let me tell you what Jesus wants for you. He wants you to live a life that's full of meaning. He does. He wants you to live a life that is full of meaning, that, that, that you experience the fullness of His grace and His love. That's what He wants for you. But you will never experience that unless you stay connected to Him. If you stay connected to God, you know, in great ways to stay connected to God, you know, coming to church is a great way. Reading your Bible is a great way. Praying is a great way. Serving is a great way. Sharing is a great way. Giving is a great way. All of these things will keep us connected to God. But the thing is, you can't do it once. It's an ongoing process. Because the point of this whole parable is this, that Jesus can come at any time. And when he comes, he wants to find us connected with him which is why we've always got to be taking our next step to Jesus. We've always got to be taking our next step towards Jesus. Our faith life isn't a static kind of thing. You know, God is, is constantly on the move. God is constantly doing new things. You think about the kingdom of God. Jesus says it is advancing, and it is. It's advancing all over the world. God's kingdom is moving forward. And so if you just decide that you're going to stand still, guess what? It's going to pass you by. It's going to leave you behind. You've got to always take that next step towards Jesus to remain connected with Jesus. This is why we like to call it, you know, you're walking with Jesus. You know, if you come and the totality of your faith is sitting in a pew or just standing in church, guess what? God is moving and he's moving past you. You've got to always take your next step to Jesus if you're going to remain connected to Jesus. You know, you might say, well, it's not the season. It's not the right time. I mean, that's what the fig tree thought, if, if the fig tree can think. I know the analogy breaks down. I, I get it. But, you know, why would he expect anything from me? It's not my season to produce fruit. No, friends, it's always the season to produce fruit. It's always the time to be ready for Jesus. And here's what we find is this, is that our connection with Jesus, our true connection with Jesus will last for eternity. The true connection that you have with Jesus right now is the connection that will last with you into eternity. That, that's, that's the reality of this. People talk about the judgment of God as though somehow maybe like God like has got a scale up there and he takes all your good stuff and he takes all your bad stuff and he puts it in the, you know, the different trays there in the balance. And, and if, you know, if you've got more good stuff than bad stuff, you know, then it's like you, you, know, you win the grand prize you know, for all of eternity. That's not the message of Scripture. The message of Scripture is this, is that, that Christ has come and Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to me. And it's amazing how 2,000 years later, we're still captivated by the story of Jesus, even people who don't believe in him. And he said, people will be drawn to me. He says, and those are the people, if they make that connection with me, those are the people that will be with me forever. You know, it's the relationship you have with God now. That's what takes you through to eternity. That's what takes you to heaven. And so the question is, what is your relationship with God like now? That's the one we've got to get right. We've got to get it right. Isaiah 55, 6 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. 
Friends, you know, today we're going to do what we do every Sunday. We're going to sing a song of decision. And if you've never received Jesus Christ, you'll have the opportunity to come forward, to be baptized into Him, to, to start that relationship with God. But I know a lot of you, you have a relationship with God. You've had a relationship for, with Jesus for quite some time. My question to you is, are you bearing fruit? Are you ready for Him? Are you taking your next step towards Him? You might go, well, how do I know that? Well, the answer is pretty simple. Scripture talks about the believer's life bears fruit, just like a tree, it bears fruit. There's different kinds of fruit talked about in Scripture. You know, one of them is, is the fruit of repentance, Jesus says. What's that fruit? Well, that's the fruit of humility. That's the fruit of love. That's the fruit of surrendering your life to God. That, that's one of the ways you can tell. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Are you growing in love and, and in joy and in peace and in gentleness and kindness and self-control? Are you growing in those attributes? Elsewhere, fruit is talked about as people that are coming to know Christ through your relationship. People see you and they go, man, there's something in your life. And you are seeing people's lives change as they have an interaction with Jesus through your life. These are all ways that we might look at our life and say, yeah, that's bearing fruit. And the reason fruit is so important is because it shows the health of the tree. You know, I don't know much about trees, but I know that you can't, you know, look at a tree and go, man, look at the roots on that tree. The tree is, boy, that's got good roots. You can't see them because they're in the ground. You tracking with me here? They're in the ground. You can't see those, but you can see the fruit. If the tree's producing fruit, you know the roots are working, right? Because they're drawing up water, they're drawing up nutrition, they're drawing up all these things. If the tree's bearing fruit, you know the trunk is working. It's, you know, it's conducting all of the stuff from the ground up towards the top of the tree. If, if the fruit is being you know, healthy and it's good, then you know that the leaves are working because they're turning the sunshine into magic and the magic turns it into fruit. And there's scientific processes with all this, but you know that it's working well when it's bearing fruit, and so when you look at a tree and it's not bearing fruit, you know, the reverse is true. You know, if you look at your life and you're going, well, I don't know that I am bearing fruit, how do you fix that? Again, I'm not a gardener, I'm not a botanist, I'm not a, you know, an arborist, I'm none of these things, but I know that if you want a tree to grow fruit, you don't, like, let's say you've got an apple tree and it's not producing anything. You don't go to Kroger and buy a bunch of apples and, like, tape it up to the tree and be like, this is what you're supposed to do, Okay. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what it's supposed to look like. You're supposed to have these things. They're called apples. You're supposed to have them on your branches. And you don't like talk to it and give it like a chart and all those things and, you know, kind of say, this is it. You, know, you don't like graft the apple in hoping that it will, you know, become contagious. That's not how this works. If you look at a tree and you're going, it's not bearing any fruit, then you look down and you go, it must need more water. It must need more nutrients. The soil must be bad. We need to do something down here so that way it bears fruit up here. Because bearing fruit is a natural process for a tree. The tree doesn't sit around and think about it. It doesn't, you know, 12 months go by and it doesn't go, well, you know what? I kind of forgot how to make fruit. It's been a whole year. I only did it that one time. It just does it naturally. And this is what Jesus is saying about the life of a Christian. If you are connected with God, if you're always taking your next step towards Jesus and you're walking in step with him, then guess what? You will naturally bear fruit. You won't even have to think about it. It will just happen. But you've got to remain connected to Jesus. You've got to always take your next step towards Jesus. Because God only has direct relationships with people. 
You know, he, he, just because you sit in church, just like those people sat in the temple, doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. God doesn't have grandchildren. Just because your mommy and your daddy had a relationship with Jesus Christ does not mean that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to be connected yourself. And here's the good news, that if you're walking with Jesus, you can overcome anything. That's what you can do. You can overcome anything. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. I'm not telling you life's going to be sweet and you're not going to have any problems. I'm telling you, you will have the power to overcome. There's an epilogue to this story that's also, I think, often misunderstood. I want to look at it too. Mark chapter 11. It says, in the morning as Jesus and his disciples walked along, they saw the fig tree. It was dried up all the way down to the roots. Peter remembered, and he said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you put a curse on has dried up. And Jesus, not impressed, says this, have faith in God, Jesus said. What I'm about to tell you is true. Suppose one of you says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea. You must not doubt in your heart. You must believe that what you say will happen. Then it will be done for you. So I tell you, when you pray for something, believe that you've already received it, then it will be yours. Now, this is one of those really misinterpreted passages of Scripture. It's used by those uh, guys on TV, gals on TV, that if you've got enough faith and you send in enough money, God will make you a millionaire. It's made some people millionaires. I'll let you figure out who. Um, This is not what God's talking about, okay? This is all in the context of being ready for Jesus. So if if God's calling you to be ready for him, what Jesus is saying is there's not going to be a mountain that's going to stand in your way. There's not going to be any of these things that are going to be a problem because if you have got faith, you will always be ready for me. If you've got faith, anything is possible, including bearing fruit out of season. And if you think about the believers that you've known, and you think about the faithful lives that you have seen, and you think about those people, and you think about maybe defining moments in their life, those are moments often when we go, man, I don't understand how they've, they've been so faithful. When, when things get really hard, maybe at home or in their marriage, or, or when they're spending a lot of time in the hospital because they're wrestling with an illness, or, or they've experienced some incredible loss, and yet they still hold on to hope, and they still have faith. We would look at these people and go, that's not the season for you to be fruitful, and yet they're fruitful. In the time when it should be a drought, it should be a time where they don't bear fruit, in a time when when they shouldn't have anything going for them, somehow they're bearing fruit of righteousness and godliness and faithfulness and love, and we look at them and go, how is it possible that you can bear this kind of fruit during this time? It's because they're connected to Jesus, because they're always taking their next step towards Jesus. And so, friends, just as unlikely as it might be to see fruit come in the middle of winter, Jesus says, if you remain connected to me, you can bear fruit all the time. Now, we want you here at this church to always be taking your next step towards Jesus. And we've spent a lot of time thinking about what is my next step. Um, in your bulletin, you've got a little insert that actually says, what's, what's my next step? Uh, a little while ago, you know, we looked at our mission statement to love, encourage, serve, and share, and we identified essentially eight different uh, sort of things that we could do to be faithful in each of those. And so we've created what we call huddles. Huddles are these really short, focused, elective classes. Uh, the financial one's one of them. Uh, that is designed to help you take your very next step in faith, uh, that, that helps you take your next step closer to Jesus. 
And we know that everybody's in a different kind of place and everybody's got different kinds of things going on in their lives. And so they rotate throughout the year. And what you've got on the back here is a list of all the huddles that are coming up in the spring and summer of 2019. And so here's what I'd love for you to do is I'd love for you to look this over. And if you're married, talk about this with your spouse and go, what's our next step of our faith? Where do we go from here? And go through this and see if there's something here that maybe we could help you take your next step towards Jesus. Because we believe that everybody's got a next step to take. Uh, Here's the other thing, too. If you're kind of new and you've not been here and you're wondering what the huddle system's about, uh, as you leave today, I know some of you have these. uh, We've given them out before. We're going to give them out again. If you need one of these, this little book here, What's My Next Step, uh, explains the huddle system, explains what we're trying to do, where we're trying to help people get, uh, and the uh, greeters, the exit greeters, will be handing those out um, later when the service is over. Uh, but you can pick up one of these to help you identify and take your next step towards Jesus because we are all called to take another step towards Jesus. Hey, hey, let me just tell you what I know as I, as I wrap this up, that we all have another step to take. There is nobody in this room who you can say, well, that's it, I'm done. I have arrived. Uh, you can say that, but you're wrong. Uh, we've all got another step to take closer to Jesus. And so it's my prayer that today we would commit ourselves to doing that. Uh, Let me pray. God, we thank you that you invite us to always be taking another step towards you, a step of service, a step of love, a step of surrender, a step, God, that brings us a little bit more in line with your will, a little bit closer to you through obedience. And so, God, for everybody that's here this morning, I pray that you would give us clarity, and more important than clarity, God, would you give us courage to just take that next step whether that next step is to receive you, God, and to be baptized into you, or that next step is to to commit to taking a huddle because we know that there's a particular area of our life that we got to work on. God, whatever that is, would you give us the courage and the strength to take that next step? Because God, we want to be closer to you. We ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. When you're ready to take the next step on your faith journey, visit our website at BowlingGreenChristian.org and find more information about service times and other programming for both adults and children. Thank you again and have a blessed day.